I'm Ashley. I'm Jen. And I'm Sarah. And we are Unabridged, the podcast where teachers take on books. Join us each week for bookish episodes and check out our website, unabridgedpod.com, where you can find lots of new bookish content every week. Find us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at unabridgedpod and message us there or see our website to get plugged into the unabridged community. You want opinions about books? We've got them. everyone and welcome to episode 198 and I think Jen and Ashley always give me this one because this is our spooky reads episode for 2021 (laughs) (laughs) they just want to hear me say spooky (laughs) before we get started we wanted to remind you that you can follow us on social media at unabridged pod across all platforms we are very active on Instagram Twitter and Facebook in our Facebook page, definitely give us a follow and come and join in our discussions that we have on our posts there. Before we talk about our spooky reads, we are going to do our bookish check-in. Ashley, what are you reading right now? So one of the books I'm reading, I have the I'm reading way too many books problem again right now, which I was so good about at the beginning of 2021. And then folks, things just went downhill from there. But (laughs) I am reading a lot of good books and I'm in the middle of a lot of them as as happens when, (laughs) when you're reading a bunch of them at once. But anyway, one of the ones I've started is perfect for this episode. Actually, this is Stephen Graham Jones's My Heart is a Chainsaw. And I have talked about Stephen Graham Jones's The Only Good Indians which I absolutely loved. And that was my introduction to Jones's work. And so I think what I really loved about it was that it was a horror book, which I don't usually read, but it was such amazing storytelling. And I also think that Jones does a great job of exploring the native community. And Jones speaks to what it means to be Indian in the Americas. And he really talks about that in an integral way throughout the story that I think really enriches his storytelling. And I see that in my heart as a chainsaw as well. So this one just came out and at the end of August, so it's a recent release and it is a story of Jade. She's the center character. And in the beginning, the opening scene is just like out of a slasher movie. And so you get this really interesting, very vivid, creepy scene on a lake and chaos ensues. And then shortly after that, you meet Jade, who we come to learn is half Indian. Her mom is out of the picture and her dad is a horrific caretaker who is an alcoholic and he is unkind and hurtful. And so she's trapped in the situation where she's still a teenager. She really doesn't have anywhere else to go, but her home life situation is horrible. And as her escape and coping mechanism, Jade is a connoisseur of slasher films and she knows everything about every one of them. So she knows all the history and how they came to be and the iconic ones she can examine scene to scene, compare them to each other. So she's really great at that. And that's also a way that she 
manages and works with some of her real life feelings is through that lens and just always thinking about these slasher films. And I'm still really early on in this book. So I don't know a whole lot beyond that, except that you can tell right away that, again, her home life situation is really rough, but she also, in an effort to get away from that, winds up in another really dangerous situation very quickly in the book. And so you're seeing how she is making, she's making choices that paying you as the reader to see her make, but it's also understandable why she's making them given what her circumstances are like. So I am loving it so far. I am really interested to see where Jones goes with this story about Jade and what happens to her. And I do believe based on kind of the atmosphere that there will be a bit of a connection between real world events and this kind of slasher fantasy part. So I think there's going to be some connection there. So I'm intrigued to find out what that is. But I think that those things are going to come together here for Jade as she kind of uses her knowledge for a real world situation is what it looks like. So again, that's Stephen Graham Jones. And it's my heart is a chainsaw. That sounds awesome. <laughs> I cannot I really wait to read it. <laughs> It's perfect for really this episode, for sure. I mean, I feel I'm... like he's just really great at spooky books. And again, I just think that what I've appreciated about them is that there are even parts that are kind of graphic. I mean, I think that's why they're considered horror, but he does it in such an expert way with such a purpose that it never feels gratuitous to me, but instead an integral part of storytelling and an integral part of cultural commentary, which I think is really fascinating. Mm-hmm. Jen, what are you reading? So I am listening to Joan Ho's Descendant of the Crane, and I'm loving the book, which I got thanks to Audiobook Sync. I'm, I've been dreading a little bit talking about it because it is so complicated. It is a YA fantasy novel. There is a ton of world building that happens right up front that makes sense as I'm listening, but I'm not going to try to replicate it for you or our audience for which you should be very grateful because it is really complicated. <laughs> but basically the focus at the beginning is this princess, Hesena, whose father, the king, has recently died. And it was widely put out that he died of natural causes, but Hesena was there for the autopsy and basically saw that he had been poisoned because when they cut open his body, this yellow gas emanated. And that is a sign that he had been poisoned. So she is trying to navigate the politics of revealing to the public in her kingdom that he was poisoned when they had been told it was from natural causes. There is a ton of it's like a big web of machinations, people with political motivations to tell the truth or not to tell the truth. She has to really want to trial because she wants to find out who killed her father. But even to get a trial is hugely complicated and she has to appeal to certain advisors. Her relationship with her mother is very complicated. Her mother doesn't live in the city. And so she comes back for Hessena's coronation and Hessena is trying to get her mother on her side to get this investigation going. In addition, there's a possibility that they will be entering a war soon. And most of this is not fantasy at all, but right at the part that I just listened to, it becomes apparent that there are soothsayers who are 
making this war happen. So I know all of that sounds like a lot, but what I'm really enjoying, I think Hesina is a great character to center all of these politics and all of all of these deceptions because she is so sincere in her desire to do the right thing. She loved her father, who she feels was a great role model for her and was a great leader for their kingdom. And she wants to make sure that his death is avenged and that the truth comes out while trying to be a really responsible leader who is taking his place. She has some friends who are there with her who don't have a lot of political power, but are just there for support. And so even though there's all of this complex world building to have such a strong central character is really fascinating. So yeah, I'm loving it so far. Again, that is Joan Ho's Descendant of the Crane. And if you have not signed up for audiobook sync in the past, I really recommend that you do it next summer. So this is one, you get two free audiobooks a week and it is amazing. So I'm always listening to those throughout the year. You get them. It's over two months worth of free audiobooks. So it's a great listen. That sounds awesome. Yeah, that one sounds great. I recently really enjoyed Elizabeth Lim's Six Crimson Cranes, and it had a lot of the world building and some of the, it's probably a very different book, but it had a lot of components that sound kind of similar. And I just loved it. I It's been so long since I got swept up in a fantasy series, and it was just really fun to be in a world that was totally different than ours. Yeah. So that sounds great. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm really enjoying it. Sarah, what are you reading? So I am reading a memoir that I have seen all over Bookstagram and listened, heard about on podcasts, and that is Michelle Zahner's Crying in H Mart. This book chronicles Michelle's mother's illness from cancer and then ultimately her death. And it sounds like it would be a really depressing book, but I found it it was heart wrenching at times because it was, I mean, you know, the death of a parent and especially when Michelle's mother was her closest parent to her. And, but it was also this discovery of things that they had in common and Michelle's realization that her mom, all the things that her mom taught her. So I'm in the part of the book where she is really realizing what she has gleaned from her mom's love and care during her younger years. And she particularly starts connecting with her Korean heritage. Her mom is from Korea. Her dad is American. And Michelle has always had this love for Korean food. And she starts to learn how to make traditional dishes and making them as a way to show her mom she cares while she is helping her while she's ill. I don't know. It just is so beautiful. It's beautifully written. Michelle Zahner, it has a really awesome way of giving all this background information while really talking about a specific period in her life. You really get to know a lot about her and her mother and her father and their histories. I am loving it. She also, there are parts where I actually laughed out loud when she's telling stories about her grandmother and some of the stuff she said. I mean, there is just, it is just an excellent, excellent memoir. I'm loving it. And I think it definitely deserves all the accolades it's getting. And I would totally suggest picking it up because I'm just loving it. And I'm listening to it on audio and Michelle's honor reads it. So that of course adds even 
more layers to an already fantastic book. So I would highly recommend picking it up. So that is Michelle Zahner's Crying in H Mart. I wondered how the audio would be for that. I read that one in print and really loved it. But because I know that she is an artist, also she's a musician, I wondered how the audio would be. I've had good luck with that in the past. I mean, and I think too, there are a lot of Korean words in the books that I felt like it was nice to be able to hear the appropriate pronunciation. And she was able to give some context on those words and all that. So I really, yeah, it is. It's really, really a good book. Yeah, I really want to read that one. It sounds amazing. It really is. I I love it. I hope you get to read it. I think you will love it too. Mm-hmm. And it also made me very hungry while I was reading it. Because <laughs> she just food, the Korean food, so like an like a poet. I mean, and it just yeah. everything sounds so delicious. So, <laughs> all right, we are going to go to our the main portion of this episode for our spooky reads, and I'm going to. <laughs> I just can't not say it. I'm sorry. It's my favorite. <laughs> Jen, what is your pick for our spooky reads? So I am doing perhaps an unfortunate thing in recommending a book that is not quite out yet. This is Shay Earnshaw's A History of Wild Places, which is coming out in December. So our intention in having a Spooky Reads episode was to give you things to read this month. And I'm afraid you will have to wait for this one. But I think we all three got this one from NetGalley, right? Yes. Yes. Okay. So we have talked about Shay Earnshaw on the podcast before. She is the author of two YA novels, The Wicked Deep and Winterwood, which have made appearances on previous Spooky Reads episodes. <laughs> and they are excellent. This is her first book for adults. And I just loved it. It is so atmospheric. It is so multi-layered in the way it spins out its narrative. I was just totally captivated from the very beginning. So at the beginning, it starts with a character named Maggie St. James, who is an author of a very dark fantasy children's series. And she has somehow disappeared and her family has no idea where she is, but it seems to be in some way linked to this, this children's series that she writes, though no one is sure how. So that's, that's one section. Then there's a section with a man named Travis, who Travis Wren, who is an investigator. He is able to investigate because he is not a psychic, but he can pick up on things. If someone has touched something and he touches it, he can see their memories and Maggie's parents, well, her dad in particular, hire him to find Maggie five years after her disappearance. And he has just a few clues to follow that Maggie's mother has given him. And so he is going through a tempestuous time in his life. He is very lonely. He is wanting to be lonely. And he basically just takes the job as a favor to a friend who was investigating her disappearance as well. And as he starts following her trail, he does start seeing some of her memories and just is trying to do his best to bring this woman back to her family. The third layer is this commune called Pastoral that is this very reclusive community. It came about in the 1970s. 
and the people are completely closed off from the real world. And within pastoral, there are three characters whose points of view we rotate between. And at first, it's not clear how the story of pastoral links to the stories of Maggie and of Travis. But eventually, I promise there is a connection. I don't want to say much more because watching the way these connections unfold is one of my favorite things. But I just loved each story has its own sort of mood and its own sort of atmosphere. And they are all three spooky. So they all three have different types of spooky atmospheres. The characters are unique in the way that they see their worlds. And so when it would shift between the three characters who live in pastoral, I loved all of the characters. I just, but it was like jarring because their their perspectives are so unique and what they understand about the world is so unique. So yeah, it is just an amazing read. I think Earnshaw is just a master at balancing atmosphere and character, which I think can be hard. I think a lot of times authors can do one, but not both. And so I think this is a fabulous read. It comes out in December. So I absolutely recommend maybe in December, you'll be in the mood for a spooky read. I absolutely recommend putting this one on your TBR lists. I cannot wait to read that one. I loved her other books. So I am very excited to read one for adults. Yeah, me too. I think her work is amazing. And I am not surprised to hear that it's really atmospheric, but I'm so glad because I think that that's what she does so well. But sometimes when authors transfer from young adult to adult or vice versa, that can change some of those things. So it's sometimes hard to know if you'll see those threads that you love in a later work. Right. Yeah, I think sometimes authors take that opportunity to sort of try something completely new, which I, I understand. I think that's one reason you switch audiences. But yeah, I was really glad as well. So it definitely lived up to my high expectations. Ashley, what is your recommendation? So we all know that spooky reads are not my forte, but aside, <laughs> aside from Stephen Grant Jones, who I'm a big fan of, but generally I don't do much with thrillers or spooky reads, but I wanted to try one that I felt pretty sure would be good. And so I went with The Maidens by Alex Michaelides. And as I'm sure a lot of you are aware, Alex Michaelides had The Silent Patient, which was a enormous success a couple of years ago. And I still haven't read that one, but I have heard such good things about it. And I knew that the storytelling was really great. And then this one, fortunately, thanks to Libro FM, was available on audio through their ALC program. And so when I saw that come across, I was excited about it anyway. And then we've all talked before about how sometimes spooky reads or thrillers are really good ones to listen to on audio. And I've been wanting to do more of that anyway. So I dove into this one and I am happy to report that I listened <laughs> to all of it within a two-day window, which... <laughs> my, my, as a lot of you are aware, my family is abroad and we have a lot going on. I don't have a car and I don't have much personal space. So it really says something about how compelling the book was that I got through it that fast. So I just think what I really loved was this is the story of Mariana. She's the main character. And right away, she is really fascinating. She has had some trauma in her past, but she also is a group therapist. And you can see in the beginning that she cares very deeply about her 
patience and also that she just has a really good sense of what it takes to be successful as a group therapist and how to help people. And she also has a lot of empathy for people who are going through really awful things, even when those things make them do bad things to other people. She has a really good understanding of that and you see that in her right away. And she feels connected to her patients and she really wants to be there for them. So she gets a call from her niece, Zoe, who is in Cambridge at school. And Zoe is very much her, she has been Zoe's guardian for a long time because Zoe's parents died in a tragic accident. And so she loves her and also kind of thinks of her somewhat as like a daughter. And so she gets this call from Zoe and Zoe is distressed. And Zoe's fear is that there's been a murder on campus and her fear is that it is her friend who she has not seen. So the initial call is her fear that her friend Tara has been murdered. And Mariana goes to support her and it comes out very quickly that Tara was killed and it was her who was murdered. So of course, Zoe's very upset and Mariana is wanting to comfort her. And yet right away, there are some really bizarre things happening on the campus that from an outside perspective, I would say both Mariana's perspective and also your perspective as a reader are just weird. And so there's this really charismatic American teacher who teaches Greek tragedies and he has this following of young, beautiful women, all of whom Mariana first notices at the funeral or at the memorial for Tara because they're all wearing white at the service. So they really stand out because they're gorgeous. They're all clustered around this professor and they all are wearing white at this memorial. And it becomes clear that there are some things going on related to Fosco and the maidens that are dodgy at best. And he seems to have this control over them almost in a cult-like way. That's how it feels early on is you kind of have this sense of he is somehow leading them and and Tara had been part of that group. So there's just a lot of, there's a lot that's unclear, but there's also very early on this really strong feeling that Edward Fosco is at the root of this and that it's just that no one can prove it basically. And so this becomes an increasing crisis and another person dies and they find her body. And so Mariana is trying really hard to unravel what's happening and she feels like she knows, but no one, she can't prove it. And a lot of other people aren't taking her seriously because she doesn't have any evidence. Everything is circumstantial. It's more her gut feeling than it is apparent from the facts. And so you really see that starting to come together. So I would say that I don't want to say any more because I don't want to spoil anything, but I really loved Mariana's character. I was really interested in her. I thought that Mike Leedy's did a great job of showing how she saw things that were different about people than other people did, which made me believe that she could see some things that were happening that others weren't aware of as far as the murder situation and investigation goes. And so that was really compelling to me. And there were parts that, and this is, I guess, always true with 
thrillers, but there were parts that I just had to be like, okay, I'm not going to get caught up in the details here because, (laughs) because there were things that I was like, I want to believe that there is no way this could happen in real life. I mean, some of the things that were happening, again, whether or not the man committed murder, there were some things that were happening that were very clearly not appropriate and that were dodgy and they were coming, they were were being exposed because of this that I think would have been questioned at minimum on a campus. But I did think that none of that distracted from my joy of the experience of the book. And so that was really cool. It was really fun for me to just be swept up in the story and to want to know what was going to happen next. And it made me realize that I should try more thrillers and especially on audio because it was just fun. I mean, the story was fun. It was very compelling. It was well-written. And there were a lot of connections to Greek tragedies and to the classics. And there were a lot of connections to even like the Greek gods and the myths. And so like all of that, I thought was really great. I love stories that do that. And I really enjoyed that part. And I didn't find everything that happened entirely convincing. And but I did not see the ending. I think, you know, like a lot of thrillers, we could analyze the ending and whether it's, you know, what you think about it. But I was pleased to be surprised and felt like it was just a really fun, tightly woven story. So that was great. I had a really good experience and I would highly recommend it because I felt like it did all the things that you want a spooky read to do. And again, that was The Maiden's which is by Alex Michaelides, who also wrote The Silent Patient. I really love The Silent Patient. So The Maidens is definitely on my list. Yeah, I like The Silent Patient better, but I agree that I enjoyed The Maidens thoroughly and the audio is the way to go for that one. Because Yeah, I read The Silent Patient in print and it worked. I'm not sure, like you said, that The Maidens would have worked for me in print, but I was perfectly happy with audio. So, (laughs) What about you, Sarah? What is your recommendation? So like you, Ashley, I have a hard time with thrillers and suspense books and spooky stories, mostly because often I'm let down by them. And I don't know, sometimes they just jump the shark. And I it's it's this is a difficult I like to read these type of stories because I like a fast moving story, but oftentimes I'm disappointed. So the one I want to talk about today is um, it just came out last June and it's Riley Sager's Survive the Night. I liked this book. It really played on my love of nostalgia. I do not like that it's classified as historical because it was in the early 90s. (laughs) (laughs) That took it down a notch. But (laughs) no, but I really liked all of the nostalgia because they talk about Nirvana and, you know, bands that I listened to when I was in high school and middle school. So I really enjoyed that sense of nostalgia it brought. This also takes place at the beginning on a college campus. There is a killer who has been plaguing this campus for several years. And the story centers around Charlie, whose best friend Maddie has been killed by who they assume to be this campus killer. So like anybody, Charlie is having a really hard time. She has some guilt because of things that had happened prior to Maddie's death. And she has decided that she needs to leave school. And she goes to a ride board to find a ride home because she hasn't driven in quite some time. And she meets this guy and they decides to ride home to 
her to her Nana's house with him. What happens is this made this crazy ride where Charlie assumes that this guy, Josh, that she's riding with could in fact be the campus killer. So I think what really impacted me about this story is because we're in the 90s, there's no cell phones. She has to rely on pay phones. There's just not a lot of ways to communicate with people outside of who you are with at that moment. And it really took me back to, to not having that instant communication with people because often, often when I was reading the story, I'm like, just call someone or just get on your phone. But she doesn't have a phone because we're in the 90s. I thought that the plot moved very quickly. It was very compelling. Uh, one cool tidbit about Charlie is that she's obsessed with movies. So she, as a coping mechanism from, from some of the trauma she's experienced, she kind of goes into this movie in her mind. So she becomes this unreliable, reliable narrator because you don't know if what is happening is happening in her mind or happening in real life. So that adds an element of suspense to the story. Like Ashley was saying, there are some things in the plot that I found a bit contrived. And I definitely think you can tell that it is a man writing a woman. I'm just going to be honest about that. I think that Charlie can be one dimensional at times, but overall it was an enjoyable experience. I think it's what you're looking for when you're looking for a spooky read, something that moves quickly, that culminates in the end that there, I felt like there were a couple of twists, but they weren't super jump the shark. So I like that part. But like I said, I definitely think, I think you can tell that it is a man writing a female character because Charlie I got very frustrated with her a lot of, a lot of times and they ju I just felt like she made decisions that did not seem authentic to what a woman in her position might do but overall I found it an enjoyable experience and I think that the nostalgia coupled with the suspense makes it a great spooky read for the Halloween season. So that is Riley Sager's Survive the Night. Yeah, I really love that book. And I, I think all of the things that you talked about it are what made me love it. And I do not think it is perfect, but I still gave it five stars because I was so swept away in it. And just, yeah, I love the way it's structured. I just think it was exactly what I wanted it to be. So right. I, I don't expect perfection. I just want to be swept away. Yeah, that's what I wanted. I heard when I heard you talk about it several months ago, Jen, on the podcast, you were reading it. And when you talked about it, I was like, I need to go get that book right now because it just sounded like what I needed at that moment. So it did not disappoint. So I really thought it was good for a spooky read. All right, so we hope that you have enjoyed hearing about these spooky reads that we talked about, and we hope that you will share your favorite spooky reads on Instagram and Facebook and let us know what you would recommend to us because we're always looking for a good spooky read to add to our repertoire. So definitely hit us up on social media. Before we end the episode, we're going to finish up with our Give Me One, and this thematic Give Me One is our favorite Halloween tradition or memory. Ashley, what is your favorite? So I lived in Kentucky before I moved to Virginia and in our in Lexington where I lived, the downtown area had a thriller parade every year. And that was awesome. So it's not the only place in the world that does that, but it was just a really cool community event that happened. And one year I did 
dress up with a friend and learn the dance and did the thing as a zombie. And it was really fun then, but the other times I just enjoyed going and watching. I loved the atmosphere of it. And I just thought it was really fun because everybody in the community came together for it. And it was just something that was just a really cool downtown experience to have. So yeah, the Thriller Parade would be my favorite. That sounds so cool. (laughs) (laughs) Jen, what is yours? So my favorite thing when I thought about Halloween memories, I think about my boys and just the joy that they take in it. And we went through a very, 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 very long Toy Story phase in my house. My younger son was born the year Toy Story 3 came out. And so that Halloween, my older son dressed as Buzz and my younger son was a little green alien. And so we have this picture of him like this little blob. just chubby cheeks and everything. And then the next year he wanted to be Buzz. We still had the costume and my older son was Woody. And then the year after that, my younger son was Woody. So yeah, we had super cheap Halloween costumes that lasted us a very long time. That's the nice thing about Halloween costumes is you get a lot of wear out of them, even if you pay $10. And yeah, so those were a lot of fun and they're just so sweet. And I love thinking about that age when the boys love Toy Story and just, those are such great characters to have. And that's a movie I could watch over and over again, all three of those. So, yep. So that's my, that's my memory. How about you, Sarah? So I, Halloween is not my favorite. And I was decidedly uncreative when it came to costumes growing up. I would always want to be like a fancy lady, which meant I could just wear high heels and like my mom's dresses. So I was not very creative, but my, some of my favorite actually have to do with other people and one, and it has to do with costumes because I've always been very, very interested in other people's creativity, but alas, mine was lacking. And my sister one year, she dressed up as a slice of cheese and my dad made her this cheese costume like with cardboard and they spray painted it. And then she had a little Cocker Spaniel dog that was hers. And my mom and sister put a black leotard on the dog and little mouse ears and the dog (laughs) was a mouse. And they walked in the parade. We had a Halloween parade in our town and they won first prize. Wow. And then then the other one was my best friend growing up. We always trick or treated together every year. And one year, her costume, she wanted to be a house, which I think is really interesting and kind of odd. And so her dad made her a house (laughs) costume, similar to like if you're a dice, but then she had a roof like over her head. And we walked around all night and she carried that house costume with her and. I don't know. Those are the two. And when I think about Halloween as a child, like growing up, those are the two things I think about. So those are mine. That's awesome. They had nothing to do with me or my creativity. (laughs) (laughs) I think it is nice to celebrate others' creativity. That's right. Yes, I agree. (laughs) We will have a give me one post on Monday. So you can share your favorite Halloween traditions or memories with us because we will love to hear them, especially if you have any really interesting or crazy costumes. We would love to hear about those. So be on the lookout for that coming Monday. We want to thank you for listening and hope you have enjoyed this spooky reads episode. Yay, one more time. Do you have comments or opinions about what you heard today? We'd love to hear them. You can find us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at Unabridged Pod or on the web at unabridgedpod.com for ways to support us. 
To get more involved, you can sign up for our newsletter, join a buddy read, or become an ambassador. Thanks for listening to Unabridged.